Welcome to episode 31 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is the first episode of season 4. Together, we are creating a library of stories. I am your host, Hamida, and I want to bring you stories because stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Friends, I'm excited to be here with you for our very first episode of season four. And I'm excited for several reasons. Let me start listing them for you. One, this is season four. Who would think we'd get this far? And I can only thank all of you for your support for getting Sharing Life Lessons this far. Two, we've had over 4,400 plays for our last 30 episodes as of today. That in itself is so exciting and something I definitely would write home about. Three, it is my birthday tomorrow. And I'm excited not only because it is my birthday, but also because the very first episode of Sharing Life Lessons was recorded on my birthday last year with Pat David as my guest. On my birthday this time, I am releasing episode 31. Went a long way and excited about it. And lastly, I'm excited about the guest that we have with us today for our first episode of season four. Our guest for today is the managing partner at Game Changer. She is an experienced tech executive with a strong background in strategy consulting, corporate innovation, growth mindset curriculum development, entrepreneurship, and leadership coaching. She has been a pioneer behind the Canadian tech ecosystem. Everyone, let's welcome Candice Factor. Listeners, I thought I'd let you know that Candice's dogs also were very excited about this interview. And so you will hear them barking in the background in the beginning of the interview, but then they quickly settle down. So enjoy them too. Candice, welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. It is really an honor to have you as a guest. And also thank you for starting us off on season four of Sharing Life Lessons. I request you first to tell the audience a bit about yourself. Hi, Hamida. It is really great to be here today. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I am someone who is very, very passionate about two things. Uh, the first is creating the future, but not just any future. I've always been at the forefront of technology and innovation, but as I get older, I'm much more interested in creating the future we want, which is a net positive future. So how do we use uh, technology and innovation to create the world that we actually want to live in? And related to that, I'm very interested in this idea that we live in a complex and chaotic world and 2020 has certainly shown us that. And I'm much more interested in thinking about how we thrive in this world versus merely survive during these times. I think this is really difficult for people and it requires a new and different mental model of how we lead, how we uh, run our firms, how we deal with uncertainty and change. And by assuming these new mental models, I believe that we are better positioned to thrive during these times. So I'd say th that's kind of me in the nutshell. I've done many different roles, everything from being an investor to being an entrepreneur to 
being a venture-backed technology executive. I'm a board member of a very late-stage technology company, and I'm the founder of a very early-stage technology company. And the general theme is I really like uh, the process of creation and working with really smart and diverse teams to do just that, to create the future that we want to live in. And we are all co-creators in this world. So thank you for playing your role in it. Absolutely. And Candice, I know you too hold video sessions on a weekly basis. I have been listening to your sessions from season one and I've loved each one that I have listened to because you get on such good guests. Tell the audience something about that because I want to put the link in the show notes so that they can listen to it as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the opportunity. So we launched uh, our own live series called Game Changer Sessions. And it really came from a place when COVID was just starting to happen in March. I I was compelled to figure out how I can be helpful and how I can contribute. And since I'm so passionate about mental models and helping people frame what's actually going on, I decided to start this live stream and really bring what I call brilliant minds and warm hearts to the conversation. Over the years, I've been very fortunate to meet some incredible humans who have a lot of wisdom to share. And so some of our guests that really range on both topics, creating the future we want and thriving in uncertainty include... Adam Grant, a leading organizational psychologist, the the author of Give and Take and The Originals. Margaret Atwood, obviously very famous writer who's a futurist. Roger Martin, who's one of the leading management thinkers in the world. And the list, you know, goes on with some exceptional humans that I feel incredibly privileged and honored to be in conversation with. And we just launched about two weeks ago a new series focused on the future of learning. So we are incubating a learning platform and we have an incredible season with guests such as Seth Godin coming up this Monday. Uh, I am so looking forward to that one, Candice. Great, I know, me too. And thank you, Hamida, for being such a loyal patron of our series. It's really great having you there. Absolutely, I get a lot from it as well. So Candice, that being said, please tell us your story. My story, it's such an interesting question. You know, there's so many stories, right? But the story that I want to share today is most probably the story I, I, I most often tell because it's the elements that had the biggest impact in my life. So just like you, I'm an immigrant. I moved to Canada in 92. And my life is full of duality. It started when I was young. I I grew up in a place uh, that was very, very complex and quite chaotic. Uh, I grew up in South Africa. And South Africa, as many of you know, was a very polarized society, very, very beautiful place in, in the jungle. Uh, at the same time, had tremendous issues. I grew up during apartheid the highest crime rate in the world. The city I lived in at a point in time, Johannesburg was that. It's a very interesting childhood and my parents really left everything behind to create a better life for our family. And to this day, I'm I'm so grateful for this decision that my parents made. But at the time I was a 14 year old girl in a new country and and we really weren't able to bring much of our wealth over. To Canada and my parents were entrepreneurs and, and they really had a tough time in that transition. 
And a big part of my journey in those days was seeing just how quickly things could change, right? In a matter of an instant, went from being a very comfortable, stable life to coming to a new country and it, it just being different and quite, quite hard for us. And all the while being surrounded by a lot of love and a really, really, really great role models, I would say as human beings, but nonetheless difficult. And so a big part of my early journey was just growing up a little bit ahead of my time, I guess, like not really having too much time to be an irresponsible teenager Mm -hmm. because I was the oldest child of immigrant parents and just knew too much. I knew how challenging this time was and we all rallied together to make it work. I mean, we had a, a cart where we sold artwork at the shopping center down the road from the little townhouse that we lived in. And we all took turns and we made it work, but we really got by, I would say in Mm -hmm. those days. And there was something very beautiful about that because we were in it together. And it was, it was a freedom ironically of like the world just being simpler in a sense And also incredibly uh, difficult and painful for my parents. And even for me as a young, as you can imagine, 14-year-old girl trying to fit in, school that was super cliquey, these were not easy things to navigate. So when I went to university, it was really nice. It was like a fresh start. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. But what I did know is that I never wanted to be poor. And I I worked incredibly, incredibly hard. I had tremendous drive and ambition. And I think a big part of it was having come from a very stable childhood where my parents were entrepreneurs, but very successful. And then coming here and watching them struggle, I just had a certain sense of motivation to succeed from seeing how difficult uh, life was for my parents. You know, one part of law of attraction, if you follow it, is that the universe offers you contrast and it Mm -hmm. offers you contrast so you know what you want. Yeah, absolutely. And and so it was great. I mean, I, I often joke, like I didn't have an existential crisis in when I was young as to what I should do. It was in some ways calculated. I went to a school, I went to the business school and I, I was very drawn to the case method, this idea of being able to participate and solve problems and use my brain and not, I wasn't really interested in rote memorization. And what it, what interested me was this was a very prestigious school. There was only 140 kids in this class and it was very hard to get into this program. And I'll never forget this experience because I worked so hard and two letters came in the mail from my parents upon my acceptance. And the first letter was congratulations you're one of 10,000 kids who got accepted into this 140, you know, person program. And the other one was, we're really sorry to inform you, but we had to double tuition rates in order to sort of meet the needs of the program. And my dad saw this and he was like, I'm really sorry, you can't go. And, and I was like, oh, I am going to the school. And so I, I'll never forget. I mean, I had to take out a lot of student debt I went to this program, but it was a motivator. It was like, I was super driven to succeed. I decided between investment banking, which felt quite soulless for me, like it it wasn't a fit, Mm -hmm. 
versus uh, strategy consulting, which I felt I could use my curiosity. And it was a wonderful beginning to my career because it, it gave me a certain sense of self-confidence that I could achieve things. I'm telling this story actually for the contrast of sort of the later unlearning in my life. So my story was, you know, a very typical story, worked hard, did well, was very alpha in my energy and in my work. I, mm-hmm. I worked in strategy consulting, very difficult, hard, long hours, but I loved it actually. It was great. I got to meet very interesting people and learn a lot. And then I went and I joined a very early stage startup that was very global and had very smart people who had invested in it. And I was mesmerized by sort of how intelligent and how, how bleeding edge this platform was. So it was a platform called Wattpad. And what this company did is it allowed anybody around the world to read and write stories on their mobile phones. And I loved the mission. And I did that and I had a three-month-old and a two-year-old babies when I joined. And a lot of people said to me, you're crazy. Like, how are you going to manage running a global venture-backed operation and being a mom to these two kids? And I was just a very driven person. I said, I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't work, I will not do it anymore. So fast forward four years, and I think this was my biggest sort of moment or crucible moment, I decided to leave Wattpad. And it was, again, a phenomenal experience because I really got to see the future in many ways and work with some of the smartest and most brilliant people. But one thing I'd never stopped, I guess from the minute I was 14 years old, I was just on that treadmill, more, 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 better, 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 achieve, 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 please, 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 always for other people, always like the the notion of wellness, the notion of self, the notion of boundaries that just didn't exist for me in the way that maybe it existed for others or for so many of us, it doesn't. And I felt really empty in some ways and super proud in other ways. But what became very clear to me was I just needed to stop. And it was like a really wonderful moment. This is about four and a half years ago where I just said, no matter what I do, I have to do less. And I'm not going to take a job. I'm not going to dive back into very, very fast paced experiences. I actually want to take space. So this was like sort of the big second chapter of my life. And it was very difficult for me. And just before you get on to your second chapter of your life, I want to ask you something from the first chapter of your life. Sure. So you said that people were wondering how you would be able to go through this global role with two little kids. And for everyone else out there who has the same ambition, but also have families with little kids, can you tell them how you managed it? How did you manage the work-life balance? For sure. What I would say is two things. I managed it, but I don't actually think I managed it that well. Like I, I feel like I was on the verge, if not actual experience of burnout. And burnout is like really real. Now I've actually been busier, I would say during COVID and this year than I was in my busiest time of like at that ending point, but I'm so much better 
in terms of how I manage wellness and myself, that I understand what I need to do in order to be able to manage that, that this fast paced life in a very different way. And so what I'll talk about around what I did do that was really great is number one, I have a super supportive partner. You know, I think anybody who says like success is an individual sport, you're just wrong. Mm-hmm. One, I married well, I, I would say that's the honest answer. It's just, it takes a village, right? Yeah, like these aren't absolutely. individual sports. So the first thing is I had amazing parents and I had uh, an amazing husband who was really supportive. I think the second thing is I've always, no matter what, I've never managed by a clock. And so true story, I was the global GM and the COO of a venture back company. And I left my office every single day when my kids were super little at like 4.30. And I would come home and I would be with my kids until seven, 7.30, they'd go to bed. And I would then start shift two. And shift two was from 7.30, often until like Mm 12.30, you know, one at night. So there was something beautiful in the way how I made space for my kids. And the other piece is I really enjoyed it. Like I loved my work, but there was something really disturbing about how little space I made for myself. Mm. And, and what, what's so interesting about this is it's like when you're on an airplane, they say, not that anybody goes in airplanes anymore. They say, put your mask on first before you do anything for anyone else, put your mask on first. And I would say, I didn't do that in those days. Everybody else came first. And I came from a family where like my mom and most probably her mother and most probably her mother. And I think this is a very common story about female ambition and just breaking old patterns was it was, I was there to please and I was there to serve. And it took a lot of unlearning to learn how to take care of myself Mm. and how to be truly well and, and truly be able to exist on frequencies and in head, head spaces and in mind states, right. That enabled flow and that created a different ability to manage stress. So what I would say is there was, there were two reasons I decided to take space One was, I was just exhausted. The other was, even though outwardly I was very successful, I was really triggered is the best word to use. So I have a very good ability to connect with people. And that made it very easy for me being a leader and sort of evangelizing what we're doing. But the parts that were very hard for me were when things were stressful when things were going wrong, which is basically every day in a startup, right? Nothing of course. is, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was just, I took everything so personally. And so there was a beautiful thing around my youth because I cared so much. People gave me a lot of responsibility. They were like, oh, listen, if you need to get something done, that woman, Candace, will will get that thing done or just give it to her. She's, I was so responsible because if you hear my narrative I had to be really responsible from a really young age. It was just ingrained in me. And so what I always say to people is there is a reason you are successful to this place in your life. And there's lots of silver linings. It could be other things versus what I'm saying, 
But whatever gave you those silver linings, there's the duality of the gray, tangled, messy underwire that caused those silver linings to, to shine. And I think what I intuitively knew, and this was my inside, my heart calling at me was like, look, it's enough with the outward facing skills that you've been successful you need to start unwiring and untangling the messy underwire. There was personal growth and internal development and unpacking and unwiring that I just knew I needed to take some space to sort out and go on a journey with. And it's been the most illuminating, enlightening and empowering journey by actually taking that space. So, you know, just to move quickly through it, I did take the space. I also have been very passionate about personal development and leadership for myself. And now my firm delivers on that as well. And it landed up being that I, I took the space and that I built an advisory firm that started off with very typical innovation work and is much more now about leadership and helping entrepreneurs be their highest version of themselves and sort of really leaning into some of the mental models to thrive because I've learned how to unpack all of these things personally. And then we have our own lab where we're building new products. We you know, have just partnered with a phenomenal entrepreneur. This is fifth tech startup to build our own live learning platform. And all of this came not from doing more, but from doing less and from taking the space to kind of establish what the next horizon of my life and creativity would be. Great. So you have gone through so much since age 14, and there has been so much evolution in your life, Candice. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. But tell us, what are the life lessons that you learned from all of this? And how did you apply those life lessons in your life? I mean, there's so many, right? The biggest life lessons, I'm going to share a couple of them because they're the ones that I'm thinking about the most these days. And I actually do a keynote uh, specifically called, you know, how to thrive in an uncertain and chaotic future. And a lot of these life lessons are from my experience that these are the themes or the patterns I see over and over. So the first life lesson I would say is ultimately, we want to believe we're completely rational creatures, right? That can use just our heads to make decisions mm -hmm. and, and that our happiness comes from making smart decisions. But we're much more complex as creatures, I would say. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, it's been this life lesson of understanding the interconnection between your heart, your head, and your soul or your spirit or what, whatever you want to call that. And I think a lot of us are taught to deny or not listen to our bodies or to our souls. It's like we live in a very, very rational world or, or wanting to be rational world and a world that's very scarce attention. And it's very easy to distract yourself with a million distractions, be it work, busyness, media, social media. And I guess that one of the biggest life lessons is like true happiness only comes 
from creating that space and that connection between your head, your heart, and your spirit and living in alignment. That is so profound. I, I resonate with that so much, Candice, because people ask me, how did you get into podcasting from being a financial executive? Like, where is the connection? And I said, exactly what you just said. The last so many years that I've spent in the financial world is listening to my head. But the podcasting, I actually listen to my soul because that is where I got this nudge from that I need to do something that I'm passionate about on this platform. I think that's so beautiful. And I think so another life lesson is that I actually built a program. You can look it up. It's called Get Curious Now. And we're hoping that in 2021, we're going to relaunch the series. But it was this really interesting idea I had because I worked in startups a lot around helping people go from a curiosity, something they're passionate or curious about and manifesting it into creativity. And for me, this is a universal truth that when people take action on the things that they are passionate about, it's not about the ego, actually. It's not even about, it's not about the money. It's not about if it's successful. It's about honoring that little person inside, right? Who has something that they think is interesting and doing something about it and not worrying about what other people think and not worrying about if it's going to be a business per se, just that single act of, of putting things in the world is a very, very joyous and also healing act because you no longer let your ego control you when you do that. Cause you have to be vulnerable. You have to. So I'd say I've been fascinated by creativity and by curiosity and by creating space for passion in people's lives. I, I think another like life lesson for me is in the duality of life. And you kind of mentioned it a little bit of the idea of contrast. But I think there's a lot of people who are looking for the right and the wrong or the polarized answers. And in my view, I, I spent a lot of my time thinking that there is a path and that there is the right path. And in fact, a lot of what I help businesses do even today is actually be a lot more humble around their knowing. And instead, what I often think about now is two things. One, that usually there is duality in whatever we do. So you look at COVID right now, I mean, it's horrible. There are many, many, many awful things that are happening in the world, but there were also some magnificent, beautiful reimaginings that are able to happen because we've broken habits. And there's tremendous opportunity in the chaos that is also happening. And I think it's just a metaphor or just this idea of the duality of life. And that usually the solutions aren't binary. So one of my mentors is Roger Martin, who I worked in strategy consulting with. And, and one of the things he talks a lot about is this idea of integrative thinking. And this is definitely a life lesson for me, which is most people only see choice A and choice B. But chances are there's just another path that nobody's seen yet. 
And often it's about trying to find the best of choice B and the best of choice A and blazing the new trail. Mm. And I, I think I encourage people to just think a bit more deeply around things that they think are super fixed versus flexible. And I've seen tremendous opportunity and success in my life by not, by not listening to the sort of very, very finite choices that somebody has suggested are the only options. So that's definitely one of them. And then the last, the last two life lessons I, I, I want to bring are this really, really important growth. I didn't even know existed, quite frankly, this idea of transcendence or getting above your emotions. This was not really in my vocabulary. I mean, I did probably experience it because I did do yoga during that time, but like not that often. But it was this, this really big growth curve for me when I finally understood that I'm not my emotions, that my emotions are there in many ways to protect me or to give me some clues around what's really going on inside me, but they aren't reality. And if I can just find ways to get beyond those emotions through mindfulness, through healing modalities, through an ability to be conscious of what I'm conscious about, I guess, um, a whole new world of options and peacefulness gets created in your life. That sounds wonderful. And for those who want to know more about this concept of transcendence and going beyond or being beyond your emotions, would you be able to share any resources? I'm, I'm going to share two books for you, two that I think are really powerful. There is a man by the name of Michael Singer, mm-hmm. and he wrote a book called The Surrender Experiment. He does an excellent job of talking to how we are into our emotions, but basically any mindfulness, meditation, Buddhist philosophy has elements of this concept. And the more space and stillness you enable in your life, and the more you make peace with who you are, the greater opportunity you have to access that. And so the only other one that I would add is this idea of love. And a lot of people are, you know, out there looking for love and we all ultimately as human beings, we want to be loved. I mean, if I think about why I work so hard for, it's definitely a sense of approval, a sense of belonging, a sense of love, a sense of safety. We have these very, very primal needs as human beings. But the thing that was so transformative in my life was when I finally stopped looking outside for that love and gave that love to myself. And so what I mean by that is when I used to think of wellness or self-care or setting boundaries around, you know, how much work or saying no or having those things, I never really made the connection around this idea of self-love. But the truth is if you love yourself, you treat yourself with a sense of dignity and grace and wellness. And if you live in alignment with your values, it's very easy to love yourself. 
And if you love yourself, you don't go seeking that elsewhere. And you also don't take the violence of not loving yourself out on all the other people mm-hmm. you know, who come in your way. And so it's a very Buddhist kind of philosophy in a way, this nonviolence. But I fundamentally think leadership is about knowing self so that you can create conditions of sacred work, sacred cultures, safe places where people can go and blossom and be their best version of themselves. And the only way you can do that is if you're really, really secure in self and come from a place of love versus the self-critic that sits on all of our shoulders all the time. And so love is a really interesting one. We need a lot more people who, who have done the work around loving themselves and will ha- will live in a very different environment, in my humble opinion. Love yourself. That is a wonderful final message. Candice, thank you so much for your time, for your stories, and for your life lessons. This was a very interesting discussion. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for putting this out in the world. And uh, it's really beautiful. I look forward to listening to others. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed Candice's wonderful story as much as I did. Candice has given us a lot to think about, to internalize, and to work on. And as always, here are my top three takeaways. One, curiosity to creativity. We need to tune in and listen to the little person inside us. Without worrying about other people, we should do what we wish to do. Number two, I really enjoyed her idea of integrative thinking. Candace said most people only see choice A and choice B. But often, it is about trying to merge the best aspects of choice A and choice B and then blazing a new trail. And lastly, with this one being my favorite, we all have old habits and old beliefs. Many times we need to unlearn them to be able to live a life where the head, heart, and soul are in alignment. Listeners, before we end this episode, I would like to read you something from the book that Candice recommended. It is The Surrender Experiment, My Journey into Life's Perfection by Michael Singer. Michael Singer's philosophy is summed up in one paragraph in the concluding pages of this book. It says, my formula for success was very simple. Do whatever is put in front of you with all your heart and soul without regard for personal results. Do the work as though it were given to you by the universe itself, because it was. I find my life works best when I follow that simple advice. If I do my best without worrying about outcomes, often the outcome turns out to be unexpected and better than what I could have imagined. This brings us to the end of the episode. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy. Be safe and be well.